Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Welcome to a brand new episode of Sales Ops Demystified, the podcast where we have sales operations thought leaders from around the world on to run through nine specific questions. The goal of the podcast, as you're probably aware, is to turn you, the listener, into a sales operations ninja. Um, those questions come through the frame of someone who doesn't have that much experience in sales operations. Myself, my background is more in marketing, uh, which is why I think this is a super interesting kind of delve into the this new world, this new crazy world of sales operations. And today we are joined by Dante from Springbot. Yep. How, how are you, Dante? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for, for having me. No worries. Thank you so much for joining. Um, as with every guest, I've done a bit of research. I've been through your LinkedIn profile uh, because there's some questions here that are quite like um, polarizing, let's say. Um, and so I think we are going to get some interesting answers from you, Dante. Um, so I'm going to kick off with the first question. Um, how did you get into sales operations? Yeah. Um, so most of my experience has actually been sales. Um, you know, I have about five or so years of different types of sales experience. You know, I've done door-to-door sales, you know, selling knives before I've done retail nice. sales. Um, I've actually had my own, you know, marketing sales firm, uh, where I've hired and, and, uh, and mentored a team of about 15 to 20 reps or so. So, mm. you know, all facets of, of the sales experience. Uh, but, but funny enough, even through all of that, I've actually never heard of sales ops before until about three years ago. Mm. Um, and it was actually at my current organization here at Springbot that I actually got the exposure. So mm. I started at Springbot maybe three and a half years ago or so as a BDR. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at, at the time, our, our team was pretty small. It was about maybe 18, 19 sales reps. Cool. Um, and about four months in, uh, I was getting promoted to an AE role. And I just saw a huge need in the organization at the time. Uh, there was, you know, there was no structured training. There was no consistent process. No, no CRM admin. I like, use mm. Salesforce. Uh, there, there was nothing. It was like a complete free for all. Um, you know, the wild, wild west, kind of as we called it. And um, sorry to, to jump in. Uh, what uh, kind of number of people in the sales team did you really see that start to happen? Um. So you know, when I when I began, you know, there was. It was still pretty small. It was maybe like maybe 12, 13, 14 people. But then as we started to grow, I just I saw a lot of 
fractures between how people are positioning things, how they're going about capturing data. And I just, you know, a right about when it's getting close to about the 20 people, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I started to see that we needed to do something to make sure that we um, can scale the right way. Right. So uh, I, I went to my VP of sales at the time, you know, saying that I felt that I had much more to offer than just my sales ability. I felt that I could help put in processes and trainings in place to really help create that consistency, right. It helped help the team uh, scale essentially. Um, so we, we sat down with one another. I kind of broke it down and, and explained to him how I would do it. And, he said, continue, continue doing what you're doing right now. Continue to be successful in your current position to really help gain credibility within the organization. Uh, and then we'll see what we can do. And then uh, two months later, he, he offered me the role of, of sales ops. Nice. Um, which ori- <laughs> originally when I asked, we, we both didn't even know it was sales ops that I was asking for. We were just like, support role. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And then a couple months later, he, he kind of offered it to me. And you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's been a great journey since. It definitely evolved a lot from when I started to kind of mm-hmm. what I do now. Yeah, you didn't even when you were getting into sales operations, you didn't know it was sales operations. I didn't, you know, I a lot of my sales has been more like face to face, like kind of B two C consumer based sales. So B, I didn't get much exposure to B two B. So seeing a, a company that needed a sales ops team was something that was was pretty new to me. Hmm. Um, and so, because right now on, on LinkedIn, I think your job title is like is sales ops director or sales manager, right? Um, so so now your organization, Springbot, recognizes the field of sales operations, but they didn't before. So at what point were you guys like, oh, here's the, here's the thing? Yeah, I, honestly, I mean, I think when, it was, when I was getting promoted, it, it was already like needed, right? And mm-hmm. luckily, uh, funny enough, our CEO uh, previously had another company, um, a large telecom company. So in that organization, he had a sales ops team before, right? So he's very familiar with kind okay. of the function of, of that that role. But my VP of sales was was not, and of course I wasn't. So when we originally had the conversation between each other, you know, we didn't know it was sales ops. We knew that it was it was coming. And then our CEO was like, "Yeah, sales ops will be a thing." And then it just kind of mm-hmm. kind of grew into what it is today. And, and so you've been in that role for three years. Uh, yeah. Uh, so in this role, particularly about two, two years, two and a half years or so. Yeah. And what, what is the size of the sales organization now? Our sales uh, organization is about uh, just shy of 50 reps. Uh, yeah, it's about 45 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually about two months ago, I moved from being more sales ops focused to more revenue ops focused. So uh, very yeah. interesting. Yeah. This is a, a very common theme we've seen with almost every guest. Um, yeah, okay. That's actually, it's almost constraining too much just to be focused on the operations of sales. And actually, if we're going to optimize the other revenue generating departments as well, we might need somebody in that revenue ops role. So that's super interesting. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, at some point for sure. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to quickly touch on, um, before we move to the next question, the, the doubling of the sales team that you've overseen, I guess, for the last mm-hmm. two years. Yeah. How, how did that go? Were there any big stresses or what do you want to <laughs> experience that definitely definitely a lot of stresses you know uh, just growing pains right just things that we uh, didn't know or foresee as we just move into a larger organization um you know it was interesting we you know we had to change a lot of how we did things like our process operation how we captured data in our salesforce uh, how we trained um to really be able to get to the team that we have now um you know there when i originally moved into this role i i took on I was wearing multiple hats. You know, I was not only was I the sales ops guy, I was also our sales trainer, 
I was our sales admin, you know, so I was doing a lot of different things to really help lay that, that foundation, you know, to be able to have now we have a separate sales trainer, a separate sales admin that can help us really get to a point where, you know, that, and now when they're bringing in people, they have a really good training program that they're pretty, mm-hmm. they are um, pretty effective within their first week. They can, they can get on the phone, start making calls um, and, and you really start to be able to provide value to the organization much quicker than they, they were able to do before. So, so just on, on your now, your now sales operations team, are those, well, well actually the question is, those individuals you mentioned, the trainer and the admin, do they sit within your team and do you have any other resources? Yeah, so I don't, I don't have a direct team that, uh, that reports to me. However, we do have a, a we're kind of a, um, a support team. Our funny name, we call our, ourselves the Profits, but right now that. But essentially on that team, you know, there's myself, we have a business, business analytics, uh, finance is part of that team as well as our sales and manager. So, um, enablement and, uh, training manager. So together, you know, we are the, the, the support backbone of the organization. So yeah. whatever, whatever, you know, the revenue generating teams need, whether that's sales, success, marketing, finance, we're there to help be that support for them, um, and, and make sure that they're being successful as they can. Great. Um, okay. Next question. What do you think makes an awesome sales person? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, like hard skills, technical skills that probably help. Uh, but for me, I, I think it kind of boils down to two, two main traits. Uh, the first one I would say is uh, really the ability to see the big picture without missing the details. Right. It's kind of both sides. Um, you know, sales ops or, or revenue ops is, the goal of it, in my mind, is it should be helping increase organization performance right? by supporting sales teams or any revenue-focused teams. And there's an overarching goal, which I call like the strategic side of sales ops, right? Can I have mm-hmm. an overarching strategy? But to accomplish those strategies, you need tactics, right? Which mm-hmm. are the details of the day-to-day, right? So, um, you know, the overarching goal may be, you know, how do we improve discounting, right? Of course, organization. Then the little details are like, how, how do we, what do we do with sales? How do we do with success? What do we do with our packaging, right? So I think that's one, one uh, trait is the ability to see the big picture without missing details. And I think the second one, which kind of marries into it a little bit, is ability to be the scale. So, you know, with sales ops or even rev, not, rev ops, there's a little bit of a, I guess, of a balancing act when, when it comes to, and especially with how my role plays out here, uh, not only... Is there a balancing act of being a, a cross-functional role, but there's a balancing act in terms of, you know, what's good for the business and what's good for reps? Because uh, unfortunately, there, there's not always, they don't always align, right? Yeah. Something as simple as, you know, we need to add a new field in our database because the business needs to capture a new data point. Well, how does that field, you know, affect a, a, a rep's day-to-day, right? How many more steps is it? Is it absolutely necessary? And if it is, at what point of the process should we capture it? So, you know, there's a, just a variety of questions that you have to be aware of, I think, and, and doing the best to be that scale and be that balance, mm-hmm. um, which can sometimes be challenging because there's no always right or wrong answer, right? So you just kind of have to yeah. kind of fill it out. And being the scale can, can be quite taxing on your soft skills, right? If you have oh, to yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the salespeople and the business people. And then so you're, I really like that. We've not, we haven't had that analogy yet, so... Balancing their desires and demands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, so, do you think that your? Well, actually, no. I'll ask the question generically. Do you think that sales experience is necessary for for to be successful? Um, I, 
I would probably go with no, which is, I would imagine a lot of sales ops leaders probably say something similar. I don't think it's necessary um, to, to be successful. However, I do think it, um, it definitely helps. Uh, it definitely enhances your ability to be successful, especially if you have sales experience in your specific industry and organization. You know, I think as a, uh, you know, sales ops leader, in knowing the process internally for your reps intimately can greatly enhance your ability uh, to, to make changes and be impactful. So if you've gone through that, your, that role or that process as, as, a, as a rep, you know, your understanding of a small change here and there, right, is, is magnified. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, you have a level of empathy for sales reps, right? You know, you know, what's it kind of take to adopt it, knowing what kind of what they've gone through, knowing what you've gone through, I think can help them, um, in their experience as well. So, so you had the, the, do you think that experience you have selling in the organization has helped you in, in the role that you have now? Yeah. Not, and not so much the, the selling piece of it, but just going, going through the process, right. Knowing the, the, the headaches that the reps go through and pain points that they have. So using my own creativity, my knowledge of Salesforce and operations, how do I kind of streamline that, right. And make their day much easier because at the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'm here to help them and support them. Um, so just knowing that as, as much as possible, you know, it helps, helps me that. And then when I have to do training for them, like I can tell them like, Hey, I, I've been there. I know it. I, I get it. But this is, this is why we do the things that we, we do, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it helps them to understand it and I uh, think adopt it as well. Awesome. Okay. Next question. Current sales of tech stack. Yeah. So uh, we use Salesforce as our CRM. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously we use Epps still as well for email tracking. Oh, and like that. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of Epps before. You might've heard of them. Um, uh, we use Datanize. Um, uh, sure yeah. Datanize. Yep. A little technology profiler. Uh, we also use zoom info for my contact data strategy, strategy yeah. point. Um, we have Nextiva, you know, for a phone system, helps track credit calls and stuff like that. Go to meeting for screen share doing demos. Um, we use Slack for communication, although our sales reps prefer Gchat for whatever reason. I guess they, they live in their email more, more so, but the rest of the organization uses Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then funny enough, we actually use, you know, so we don't pay for some of these tools, but we use Google Chrome as our browser. And then we use a lot of extensions that Chrome has. Mm-hmm. that really makes our job a lot easier. Um, so to be able to dissect what technologies a, a business may have on the website, um, what kind of traffic that web website might have, you know, how many, how many visitors, how they ranked in relation to other websites. Um, what are, what are they? Can you name a couple of those? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, one extension we use Alexa, Alexa rank. I'm not sure you're yeah. familiar with Alexa rank. Um, but for any of the views, it, Alexa ranks is basically an international ranking algorithm, uh, mm-hmm. ranks websites based off of the traffic and engagement that they get. So like the number one visited website in the world would be Google. So if you look at Google's Alexa rank, they're number one, right? So that helps us kind of understand like what websites, what level of traffic is a website getting? for our tool to be valuable because they need to have a you know, certain level for it to be a good fit. Um, we have a tool like Built With and Wappalizer, which is very similar to Datanize from a technology mm-hmm. standpoint. It kind of breaks down what technologies the website's using. Um, we use a tool called Whois, um, which is kind of the, you know, when someone buys a URL, they have to put information about who they are. So this gives us insight on who that person is, phone number, contact data, right? So we try to be resourceful in, in those extensions that really help our sales team, especially for our, our our market, we go for small to medium-sized businesses. So it was very tough to find information on those companies. So as many tools that we can use just really helps. Yeah. To me, I felt like all of those are basically saving salespeople's time, right? They're not going to spend Absolutely. 
yeah, they can just go click on the button and find out how like traffic website is, who owns the website without having to like go and search for it. Yep, yep, that's it. Exactly. Uh, quick, quick question from Jack, who's back again. Um, how do you guys forecast and do you use any tools or any methodologies for forecasting sales? So forecasting, uh, we use mo- uh, a combination of Salesforce and then actually another BI tool that I didn't mention called Domo. Mm-hmm. Um, so within Salesforce, we they have the sales reps have forecasting tool, uh, the forecasting tab in Salesforce. But I also created what's called uh, re- reporting snapshots. So mm-hmm. reporting snapshots in Salesforce, you can actually capture what a report looks like at a certain time, uh, date and time. So then we can see month to month how forecasts change. Um, so, so you know we've actually just recently implemented that. So we, we use that as well. And then we use a BI tool, which kind of combines a lot of different reports to kind of crunch numbers um, so we can see. So um, you know, a combination of those, we just meet with our sales leadership uh, as well as customer sales leader weekly and just kind of go over the forecast, what we're seeing, what are they expecting, how we can help um, and kind of, kind of go from there. Nice. So you're able to obviously have the forecasting tab in Salesforce, but then you're able to take a screenshot of that forecast at a specific time so you can see how that forecast is change over time with different exactly and then you can run reports on it so you can see like this particular rep forecasted this this week they forecast this so how well are they forecasting right and then you can look to have rooms for opportunity for coaching as well so yeah that's i've had some really good conversations about um sales forecasting for different reps you know how different reps would have different um biases some will be pessimistic some will be optimistic yeah yeah so it's almost like you need to profile um, speaking to a guy, he's like he profiles all of his sales reps for a, a level of optimism or pessimism, and then mm-hmm. multiplies the forecast they give by that that factor to try and give what he believes is a more believable factor based on how optimistic or pessimistic the sales person is. Interesting, yeah, so, yeah. So the, the reporting is just something we recently implemented. So as time goes on, we you know we'll have more data and trends that we can analyze. But that's the goal of it is to is to be able to kind of look at it overall and then individually as well. Uh, yeah and you can also you could flag like alerts or like not warnings but you could get alerted when a forecast is like dropped by 50 percent say Mm -hmm. you go and speak to that and they'd be like uh we lost a big deal or whatever but that's quite that's that could be quite useful right yeah yeah absolutely definitely is um okay cool so uh, might be a bit of a loaded question uh but your favorite tech tool my favorite tech tool yeah related to sales operations yeah um uh, it may be a little biased. I, I would have to go with Salesforce. Um, mm. I am a certified administrator as well. Nice. So, uh, you know, when I, funny enough, when I started here at Springbot, I've never had any exposure to, to Salesforce. Mm. Um, it was, uh, I used Zoho as a CRM before, but never Salesforce. And everything that I learned about Salesforce was all self-taught. You know, we just needed someone that, that understood it, could own it to a certain extent. So I just kind of took that on when I moved into this role and I learned so much about it. Uh, to the point where there was a lot of business challenges that came up that I was able to help solve or mostly solve using my creativity and knowledge of Salesforce. Mm-hmm. It is just such a robust, powerful tool, so customizable that it can pretty much do anything. And if it can't do it, then it has an integration with another tool that can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just been, uh, I mean, it's been great. I mean, there's even to this day, I'm just I almost amazed. Like, wow, this it can do this, and even I don't even know why. That I'm still impressed, but um, yeah, I mean, Salesforce has been a great tool. So, you know, when Salesforce went down a couple of days or a couple of weeks ago, you know, that was that was yeah. a fun time. <laughs> um, so, are you the so you did this? You became a certified Salesforce admin, 
after you started the sales ops role. Yep. Uh, so I moved into this role, uh, having only exposure to Salesforce is what I did as a rep. Sure. Um, so n- the administrative side, the setup configuration, all that stuff, I learned um, trial, you know, file, <laughs> uh, trial of fire, right? I mean, it was uh, just kind of learning, breaking things in production when I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> but, you know, it, all in all, it, it helped me learn a lot to the point where uh, I am today. And you, um, you're kind of the only like admin in the organization, like you were managing the whole Salesforce org. Yep. Yep. Nice. Awesome. Um, okay, so here's a relevant question. How do you deal with data quality um, in the CRM? Uh, data quality, that's fine. Um, you know, so I think this is um, it's probably one of the biggest challenges that I've actually seen like across the board, you know, throughout different organizations. Um, it's, it's, it's just one of those tough things, and it becomes, I think, exponentially difficult the larger that your organization gets. Mm-hmm. But I, I approach it from two two uh, ways to kind of kind of deal with that. The first is using the tools to reinforce data quality. So you know, with Salesforce, you can put in a lot of rules and automation and boundaries to make sure that certain data points are captured correctly at certain times. Um, but in addition to that, we have dashboards where myself and other organizational leaders can audit. Um, either our database or their teams. So things like, you know, overdue tasks, uh, unclosed lost opportunities, opportunities without products, right? And, and of course, the list can go on. So we have a set, uh, a dashboard that we use to monitor those at a, at a high level. Uh, but then I think the, the best way to really manage the data quality is actually through training, through, through reps. So, you know, the best individuals that can help correct the data are, you know, in my mind, the ones that use it daily, right? They have uh, daily and constantly inputting data. So I work closely with our our training and enabler manager to make sure that our training documents are very thorough uh, and outlines how to correctly document things in our database, but also teaching the importance of good data, right? The why behind it, right? Good data, bad data equals a bad database. So, you know, it's it's in everyone's benefit to have a good database. And I I give the example, you know, from sales standpoint of um, report running from our database. So, they like to run reports in our Salesforce for accounts that are sitting idle. A pretty simple report. However, if they are looking for certain data points that are wrong in our database or mm-hmm. are missing, the reports are very limited, right? So it's, it's to everyone's uh, uh, benefit that they make sure they're documenting things correctly, putting in all the information so that if they come to another account or another rep comes to an account, they have all the necessary information they need to kind of make a choice of how they pursue further. So. It's such a crucial thing of the day. Like you have to, if you if you put someone into a training session about data quality and they don't know why they're doing it, like it's gonna have zero impact, right? Right. So that's, such, that's such an important point. Um, so the biggest current challenge in your role and how you are overcoming it. Um, I would probably go back into the two, the 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 two traits that said make a good sales ops person. I would actually say being that scale. Mm. is probably one of the biggest challenges. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just managing all the different departments as well as kind of managing, um, you know, the just kind of day-to-day things on, on priority. Uh, it becomes tough, especially since I'm more of a, like a, a one-man army when it comes to like the operation side of things. So how I overcome it is I, I use two, um, two methods to kind of stay on top of it. So one is OKRs. Um, which stands for objective key results. It's actually, um, 
our, our CFO kind of brought that from Google. He used to previously be at Google. Mm-hmm. And then I have what's called like a more of like a request sheet of roadmap. So the OKRs, we meet once a quarter and come up with our main objective and then key results that we want that we're going to use to achieve those objectives. And those objectives could be, you know, typically tied in or aligns with overarching business problems or challenges, could be some personal uh, growth that I that I want to pursue, just things operationally, right? So all those different things. And then tactically, those key results, how we go about to achieve those. And then I have a request sheet where I'm uh, different individuals in the organization can go and say they want to request for something. So I need to change the Salesforce, I need this new process, what have you. And then I prioritize that into my roadmap based off of my OKRs. So, you know, if it aligns with coming my priorities, you know, I kind of put it at top of priority. If it's not, it may get pushed down to another quarter or just kind of lower priority depending on kind of what I have going on. So, Nice. So you, you get all these requests coming in and then yeah. the filter is that you kind of map them if you can to OKRs and that will help prioritize or deprioritize it. Exactly, yeah. Because I mean, there's, there's, so, there's so many. I mean, some things are, you know, maybe important to uh, to others as a, an individual, but in the overarching challenges, what the business is trying to achieve, it may not be as as pressing. So that's uh, I have to be that scale, right, and let them know like this is kind of what's coming. I'm here's where I imagine it can be accomplished, and just making sure that's very, um, you know, it all makes sense. And is and everything is always transparent, so everyone has access to my OKRs. Everyone has access to my questions, so they can kind of see what's going on, what's going on in my world, and kind of where things are stacking up to one another. Does everyone in the organization do that or just just you? So our profit team does the OKRs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it re- there are a couple of individuals that have a similar request sheet, but it's not something that's it's like org- company-wide. Uh, it's something that uh, was kind of uh, kind of put in place based on conversations that I've had with different leaders. I think everyone should be doing that in, in organizations. But anyway. Yeah, uh, <laughs> could definitely help. <laughs> do you have a, a single metric uh, that you can judge all sales reps by? Uh, this is a tough one. You know, I actually thought long and hard about this one. Uh, I really tried to come up with a single me- singular metric that I thought could provide insights to sales user, and I couldn't. I couldn't come mm-hmm. up with just one. But once again, I would boil down to what I felt were the two overarching metrics. Uh, so the... And I think both of these metrics could be broken down even further, right, to, to for things. But the first one I would say would be activity, and the second one would be conversions. Mm. So activity um, is is pure will in my mind, right? And activity can be measured different ways. It can be calls. It can be emails. It can be maybe in-person uh, meetings, right? Maybe sending some swag to customers, right? Depending on your business and your industry, it can, it can be measured in different ways. But I think that at the end of the day, that just shows pure will to do something, right? The, the attitude behind the drive behind actually going out and make something happen. But then I think where you really measure success and skill level of someone is the conversions, right? How do how are things converting to the next stage in a sales cycle, right? From a quality conversation to a, a demo scheduled, from a demo schedule to a completed demo, from a complete demo to negotiation to eventually a closed deal. Like that gives you insight on you know how well is this person doing? Are they moving down the funnel? At what point are they having hiccups? Where are we going to help kind of coach? And I think it's almost like a um, like a quadrant, like a scale, right? High skill, high will, low skill, low will. That, that gives you also insight on coaching abilities, right? Someone that has high skills and high will are, are people that are high performers, reps, people that you probably need to empower more, right? It could be your next uh, your next sales manager. Uh, someone that has high skill level but a low will. This, there's someone that needs probably motivation, right? They clearly have the ability to do the job, but they're not 
necessarily put in the activity to be as successful as maybe some of the other reps. So how do we put things in place to motivate this rep, right? Opposite in the spectrum, high uh, will, low skill, maybe someone that's new. They have the drive to do it. They go in and crush it as much as they can, but they just don't have the skill level to actually make those things happen just yet. And then you have the, you know, that bottom quadrant, the low skill, low will. And these could just be new people in general, right? Mm-hmm. Or they just need a lot of guidance for that. So I think like combination of those two can really help you understand how well is someone doing and then how do I coach them to make sure that they are all high performing reps. Very good answer. I like the uh, splitting how you would judge a rep based on activity, which is something that's completely under their control, right? Yeah, um, completely there. And then conversions, which is not completely under their control, but will is an indication of, of skill. Absolutely. Um, awesome. Okay. Um, is there a specific sales ops person or rebels person that has taught you what you know or somebody who's been a big leading light? Um, uh, you know, for sales ops, there, there wasn't, there isn't, hasn't been an individual that uh, really mentored me. I've a lot of what I've learned about sales ops have come from just sales experience and just a lot of research that I've done myself. Um, watching sales ops demystified, funny enough, but some other uh, playbooks, you know, like newsletters that I get that are sales ops related. Uh, mm-hmm. I learned a lot from there, but I would say maybe one of the biggest influence probably in my career has been a sales manager that I had a few years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. His name is Jesus. Um, and he was one that really taught me a lot about just, just people in general, like people, sales, managing people, how to develop people, how to mentor, understanding what, what their needs at once are, uh, and make sure that they achieve that. Um, which I think has just translated not only, you know, through sales, I've just in it, all aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. But like, when I look back onto like one individual that really has taught me a lot on, on, you know, how to be a leader and, and kind of has helped me get to the point I I would probably say him, you know, not not sales office directly, but it's just a lot of leadership, thought leadership that has really helped, you know, excel uh, my career. Was that at, with Jesus at Springbok or elsewhere? No, it was it was elsewhere. Um, this was probably maybe like five years ago, four or five years ago. It's been a while, but um, okay, yeah, I just learned a lot. Awesome, and I want to quickly finish off by taking your thoughts on on RevOps, as you mentioned earlier in the interview. Um, yeah. Why did that start becoming a thing? And why did you start to realize that actually your skills were required over other revenue-generating funds? So, you know, for a while, you know, two and a half years or so, three years, I guess you can almost, uh, it was always been sales. I've been sales ops focused. I, I sat on the sales side amongst the sales team. I was integrated with them and I was, I was viewed as one of the sales leaders. However, you know, there wasn't anyone that really gave, for, for lack of a better word, attention to a lot of the other departments as much as I gave to sales. I mean, I, you know, I was with them daily, looked at the process, we analyzed process, changed things, implemented things so much where the rest of the organization didn't get that, although there was much to, um, there's a lot of opportunity, you know, for that increased efficiency and scalability there. Uh, so rather than being so sales focused, so sales driven, uh, I was already being cross-functional, you know, just, uh, I think organization wise, it felt like it was time to expand that, um, and do a lot of the things that I've done for sales for the other departments as well, right? Helping customer success scale, helping automate some things from a finance standpoint, making sure that marketing has everything that they need, um, just being more widespread. And so 
you know, focus, singular focus on the sales side. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, sales is there, will always be there, but they're not the only ones, uh, generating, you know, uh, revenue for the organization. So we need to make sure that everyone also has that support. Nice. Awesome. And so do you think your like official job title will, will change and move to be revenue operations? What do you think? Or is that, is that now happened already? Yeah, it's a, it's just it's recently happened maybe a couple months ago. Um, I see revenue ops uh, as something that will probably continue to grow in. Um, it it does give me more exposure, you know, to the business, which I enjoy, um, as well as working with other departments um, and just using my creativity to to help. Right at the end of the day, that's for my sales experiences. I'm always solution oriented, so if there's a problem out there, I figure out how I can be a solution to that to that you know whatever that may be. So. Nice. Dante, I realize we haven't actually explained what Springbot does. So I want to yeah. 15 second pitch, please. Yeah. So uh, Springbot is a all-in-one marketing conversion automation tool designed for small to medium-sized businesses. Uh, so if you have a mom and pop online store, uh, you can think of Springbot as your command center when it comes to marketing. So you can plug in all of your digital marketing channels. So it's email, social media, and ads, what have you, into one dashboard have a clean understanding of what's working for your store and what's not working for your store. But then what's really cool is you can actually turn around and push content out through Springbot. So you can automate emails, campaigns, and a lot of re-engagement um, marketing collateral that you send out to your, your potential customers to help re-engage them and bring it back to your store at the end of the day. So any of those abandoned carts emails you've ever gotten from a store or like, hey, we miss you kind of things, our uh, Springbot helps companies do that. Fantastic. Okay. Dante, thank you so much. A lot of gems in there. Let me pick out a couple. I really yeah. like the scale. I know people have talked about managing stakeholders, but they haven't talked about it in like a scale between business and rep. So that's a really, really nice like way to look at things. Yeah. Um, I also, what else do we have? Uh, yeah, obviously explaining why to the reps about data quality. There's no point just telling them to manage their data better. You have to explain yeah. why. And then I thought that's actually one of the best answers we've had to the how you judge salespeople. So the skill versus will and activity versus conversion. So they, they, they were the gems. Um, and I want to thank you so much. Um, if you want to reach out to Dante, I, I think if you just Google Dante Springbot LinkedIn, you'll probably come up. Your LinkedIn yep. profile will come up. Um, so yeah, feel free to reach out to him. I'm sure he'll be happy to take any questions if you have them. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for having me, Tom. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. Very humble. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified Podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com. 